Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Therapy Chat Podcast, Episode 348. This is the Therapy Chat Podcast with Laura Reagan, LCSWC. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. And now, here's your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. This week's episode is sponsored by Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now, for all you prescribers out there... Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Use coupon code CHAT or click the link in the show notes to get two free months at therapynotes.com. This episode is sponsored by The Receptionist for iPad. It's the highest rated digital check-in software for therapy offices and behavioral health clinics used by thousands of practitioners across the country. Sign up for a 14-day free trial of The Receptionist for iPad by going to thereceptionist.com slash therapy chat. And when you do, you'll also receive a $25 Amazon gift card. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. It's me, Laura Reagan. As you are listening to this, depending on when you're listening, it might be one of the last days of registration for the Healing Sexual Trauma course that I'm doing with Erica Shershan, LMFT. As we're releasing this episode, it's coming out in sync with the last couple days of registration. But if you're listening beyond 2022, just know that we'll be intending to offer this course again in the future. So if you missed it this time, it's okay. You can join us next time or the time after that. I hope you are doing well. I'm excited to share with you this interview, which was recorded several months ago and is timely always and very much so with the things that we talk about on Therapy Chat, namely somatic therapies and embodiment. My guest today is Dr. Raja Selvam. Raja Selvam, PhD, is a licensed clinical psychologist, the developer of Integral Somatic Psychology, ISP, a therapeutic approach based on affective neuroscience and emerging scientific paradigms of embodied cognition, emotion, and behavior in cognitive psychology to improve cognitive, emotional, behavioral, relational, and spiritual outcomes in all therapy modalities. So it's something you can incorporate in with how you already practice. Dr. Selvam is also a senior trainer in Peter Levine's Somatic Experiencing Professional Trauma Training Program. He's taught for 25 years in nearly as many countries in North and South Americas, Europe, Asia, Australia, the Middle East, and the Far East. His work is informed by older body psychotherapy systems of Reiki and therapy and bioenergetic analysis, newer body psychotherapy systems of biodynamic analysis and somatic experiencing, and bodywork systems of postural integration and biodynamic craniosacral therapy. I didn't even know that was a thing until now. 
His work is also inspired by Jungian archetypal psychologies, Kleinian and intersubjective schools of psychoanalysis, affective neuroscience, quantum physics, yoga, polarity therapy, and Advaita Vedanta, a spiritual psychology from India. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Dr. Selvam's work also draws upon his clinical psychology PhD dissertation on Advaita Vedanta and Jungian psychology, based on which he has published an article entitled Jung and Consciousness in the International Analytical Psychology Journal Spring in 2013. He did trauma outreach work in India with survivors of the 2004 Indian Ocean tsunami, based on which he has published an outcome study titled Somatic Therapy Treatment Effects with Tsunami Survivors in the journal Traumatology in 2008. Dr. Selvam's work is also inspired by the work he did in Sri Lanka in 2011 through 13 with survivors of war, violence, loss, and displacement, and with mental health professionals engaged in treating them after Sri Lanka's 30-year civil war ended in 2009. And his book, which came out in March 2022, is entitled Embodying Emotions, a Method for Improving Cognitive, Emotional, and Behavioral Outcomes. And that is what we're talking about today, all of that. It's really about that question of what do we mean when we say embodiment and how do we get there and why? So I hope you will enjoy listening to my interview with Dr. Raja Selvam. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. I'm your host, Laura Reagan, and today I'm very excited to be interviewing Dr. Raja Selvam. Raja, thank you so much for being my guest today on Therapy Chat. Thank you so much for inviting me. I look forward to the conversation we're going to have. Me too. I'm so excited to speak with you about your work and your fascinating book, So let's just get right into it. Can we start off by you telling our audience a little bit more about who you are and what you do? Yeah. My name is Raja Selvam, and uh, I'm a licensed clinical psychologist in the state of California. I no longer have a private practice because I'm quite busy teaching internationally in as many as 20 countries. I teach somatic experiencing, SC, a very popular and effective somatic psychology methodology for treating trauma. And uh, I also teach my own method called integral somatic psychology. Integral somatic psychology is a broad approach to the psyche to embody different levels of the psyche. And the practice of embodying emotions, which is what my new book is about, is the co-clinical strategy of integral somatic psychology. So today in the the interview, we'll be talking more about the book, um, The Practice of Embodying Emotions, a Method for Improving Cognitive Emotional Behavioral Outcomes, and, and the practice of embodying emotions, the theory of it, the practice of it, et cetera. Beautiful. And that's, yeah, I mean, let's just start off by Will you explain what you mean when you say embodying emotions? Exactly, because embodiment can mean so many different things to so many people, yeah? I mean something very specific. Embodying an emotion such as fear or joy is expanding, actively expanding the conscious experience of it to as many places in the brain and body as possible. And I will not make a distinction between the brain and the body because the brain is part of the body. So I would say to embody an emotion, uh, in the practice of embodying emotion, uh, it is to expand the experience of the uh, emotion to as many places in the body as possible. For some people, we need less. For some people, we need more. That really is an empirical question in relation to the client, uh, client's needs and client's capacity for you know, accessing and tolerating emotions. And the next question, I'm sure, is why on earth would you do that? If someone came in with the fear of dying in the, in the chest area, why on earth would we expand it to the belly or to the legs? That does not make sense because people come to us to want to get rid of things. None of us, you know, 7 billion of us and more, none of us want to experience unpleasant emotions. This is Freud's principle called the pleasure principle. The brain avoids pain and looks forward to pleasure. And that is because an unpleasant emotion in a state of stress and dysregulation of the physiology, that is contrary to survival, and the brain is survival-oriented. So therefore, it tries to avoid unpleasant emotional experiences that are essentially states of dysregulation and stress that is opposed to regulation. Yeah. 
Now, if that is the case, why would expanding that unpleasant experience you know, be of benefit? Yeah, that is something that I can talk to you about. Yeah. Would you like to hear that now? Sure. Yeah. And I think this is useful for, as I'm hearing you about to explain to me, I'm thinking how this can be helpful with explaining this to clients. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Because it's very important to explain to clients the, the, in a simple way what this is about, because otherwise they, it makes no sense to them that we would want them to exp expand their emotional experience, potentially increasing it to more places in the body when the body is actually trying to, you know, limit it to few places in the body yeah. because of the pleasure principle. The benefits are when we expand an emotion to more places in the body, we develop a greater capacity to tolerate it. It increases affect tolerance. This might be counterintuitive, but it's not. Let me just give you a simple explanation of it, and then we can perhaps, if you have time, go into a more scientific explanation of why this increases affect tolerance. I've written, I've taken a whole chapter to talk about it in the book. Okay. And uh, an emotion is the impact a situation or an aspect of a situation has on a well-being. What is a well-being? Well-being is defined by the, the, by the state of, we, the well-being is defined by how well the brain and body physiology is doing. The more regulated it is, the more well-being we feel. And but unpleasant emotional experiences are by their very nature states of stress and dysregulation. Yeah. So why would it, how can we go about, how can we increase affect tolerance by expanding the state of stress and dysregulation in the body? Now, it, 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 this is how it works. If you think of emotion as the impact the situation has on your well-being, that is your body, would it be easier for the body to handle it if more places in the body process the impact as opposed to a few places in the body and handling the impact? A simple example I give clients is that if you lift, try to lift a 50 kilogram bag, you know, is it easier to lift it with both arms or one arm? This is, yeah. you know, yeah, exactly that that kind of thing. And uh, I'm just talking to my grandnephew who was at the age of 14 has developed OCD symptoms you know, based on fear, you know, washing hands and and going to the toilet repeatedly. And I tried to explain to him how he could expand the fear that's driving this OCD behavior. And I gave him another example. If you have a lot of grain in India that's wet, you want to dry it, right? Would, which is a more effective strategy, to keep it together or to spread it out over mm -hmm. a larger, larger area in the sun? He said, of course, if you spread it out, it dries sooner. Then I said, that's exactly what happens to the emotion. It becomes more tolerable. And it becomes the the impact is spread out. You no, know, when when you when when the impact is not limited to one area, like when you're trying to lift it with two arms. So that is enough of a motivator for people. And and when we can tolerate something, when we can tolerate something, our brain has a greater ability to process it because it has more time. Mm -hmm. You know, it it doesn't go into quick thinking or quick behavior to deal with the situation. You know, blame someone or attack the person could be one. Yeah, yeah. when I cannot tolerate my pain. I might even think, I might say things that I end up regretting in a relationship later on or doing things that I regret doing it in the relationship when I just can feel the shame, the hurt, the disappointment and expand it in my body so that it can tolerate it more because the impact is not limited to my heart or the lungs. The impact is spread out into the belly, etc. So it's something that people can quickly find out for themselves. You know, uh, it's not something mysterious, the, the experience of it, yeah. Now, something we also know more sophisticated reasons why this is actually leading to improvement in thinking and behavior. Not only does it lead to the ability to tolerate emotion more, affect tolerance is the holy grain of psychoanalysis, right? So in Jungian psychology, the, the, the ability to develop opposites. In, on spiritual paths, the ability to tolerate opposites are, high, are required as fundamental uh, capacity for psychological growth and psychoanalysis and Jungian psychology and for spiritual growth and systems like Advaita Vedanta and Buddhism, yeah? So how, what, there's a lot of science and the second section of the book talks about how an emotion can be experienced throughout the body, the science of it, and also how when we expand an emotional experience to more places in the body, it becomes more tolerable. The physiological explanation, which I will go into a little later, it's a little more complicated, but let's leave it at that. Now, what they found in research is that 
the two things. One thing is that if you expand the body, if you prevent the body from being involved in the emotional experience, then the brain cannot process the emotional experience of the situation in which the emotional experience is arising that much. A simple experiment is biting on a pen while you're watching a movie that's emotional can lead to the compromising of the processing in the brain of the emotion and the situation for cognitive and behavioral implications. This is interesting. I'm interested. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, a, this is the kind of research. Because this makes really, me think about the way we like clench our jaw to exactly. avoid feeling. Yeah. When we do that, yeah. when we do that, we actually end up inhibiting the generation of emotion in the body as well as the involvement of the brain inhibit the ability of the brain to process the emotion yeah yeah and and um, and, and um, you're on the right track and thinking along those lines now there are also other reasons why cognition and behavior improve this is because the body is important for cognition you know hmm. and independent of emotion even abstract cognition this is what is called the paradigm of embodied and embedded cognition. The cognition depends on the body as well as the environment, not just on the brain. This is hot in, in neuroscience and cognitive psychology. And, and when we have emotional difficulty, we tend to not only push the emotion away through psychological mechanisms, but also through very primitive and physiological mechanisms, such as constriction. Even before we have psychological defenses, we have the body and physiological defenses. For example, a child that's having a difficult time in the womb, will uh, the brain of the child will constrict the joints of mm. the arms and the legs. Not only that, it'll, the fascia will go tight in order to deal with the experience of existential fear of dying and shame and all those other themes that emerge with pre and perinatal trauma. Yeah. Wow. And, and a child that is prevented from having power when it comes into the terrible twos will constrict the diaphragm and collapse the diaphragm. This is what Reichen therapists work with. You know, they work with the diaphragm through breath, etc., to undo the differences so the emotions and the vulnerabilities around that time can come up, they can be processed. So there are different ways, you know, the body can psychological, physiological defenses against emotions. There's a chapter in the book that talks about seven different dynamics through which the body can generate as well as defend against emotional experiences. So we develop defenses in the physiology primarily because we are uh, unable to process the unpleasant emotional experiences. Even when we block the body for, because of cognitive difficulties and behavioral difficulties, it is due to the unpleasant emotional consequences that we shut the body down. So when the body shuts down, it's not only available for emotion, in that emotion cannot be processed in the brain well very well, but cognition and behavior in all aspects can also be compromised. So to go back to the practice, if we try to take an emotion, let's say the person is afraid of not performing well, shame. We take the emotion and then does not you know, apply for an interview or is so diffident about performing in the interview that they actually end up behaving in a self-fulfilling prophecy way, not performing well. So if we expand this experience of shame to more places in the body, then it becomes more tolerable. It becomes more tolerable. The person can actually become more mindful of the experience. In fact, something becomes tolerable, I can pay attention to it without reacting to it as much. That is what is mindfulness, right? And the brain can process it for meaning, not only the present meaning that they're feeling shame clearly about this situation, but they might also remember past situations in which they felt that. That some situations might come up, they might not even remember in the moment. So all of those things, you know, can come to the surface and help the client to change their thinking or behavior or both in the situation. And, and uh, an emotion that's tolerable can be kept, you know, under you know, kept under control so that we can you know either that it, it leaves or we can we can we can control it to the extent which we can do something differently than not you know it's like riding the horse of shame as opposed to being ridden by the horse of shame mm. much of the horse is unconscious that's that's an additional complication so the expanding the emotional experience to the more places in the body leads to greater ability to tolerate it, which leads to greater ability on the part of the brain to process it for cognitive and behavioral implications and for completing the emotional experience, but also in general makes the body more available for all kinds of cognition and all kinds of behavioral analysis. And not only that, 
it opens the body electromagnetically and quantum mechanically to to bring it into greater connection with the environment and and this is where it's it, you know we 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 connect to resources in the collective you know in the outside other people's well you know we connect to other people in the resonance uh, i write a whole chapter about why it's so important not just for emotional work attachment work and so on uh, but it also connects us to archetypal resources in the universe more so multiplying you know the possibilities and healing so that's that's what the book is about and it's a complementary modality because it can improve cognition emotion behavior physical physical states and energy states and ability to relate and connect us to collective resources it can be used in any modality be it psychoanalysis jungian psychology or body oriented psychotherapy such as somatic experience and sensory motor psychotherapy any time we run into the emotional like emotional experience right or it can also be used if the modality somehow uh, we get stuck with a certain person we go work with emotion and embodying it in a situation that we are stuck in that will make the process more fluid and then people go back to doing whatever it is that they do in sensory motor psychotherapy or emotion focused uh, therapy eft you know or psychoanalysis or co- cognitive therapy or behavioral therapy and so on so i would really like it to be used as a complementary modality you know go to modality for working with emotion as well as in over and above everything that people know everything is valuable and and then uh, and then from time to time to bring it in to make things more fluid because we know in general in a situation if you embody an emotion uh, that is relevant to the situation of the client the cognition and emo- emo- emotion behavior will all get more possibilities you know yeah, uh, yeah so thank you for that beautiful explanation and you packed a lot of information into a brief piece of talking but i appreciate it and i think one of the things that i was curious about as i was reading your book looking through your book was you talked about how you were working with I think you were talking about working with survivors of a, a tsunami in India and saying that you you were able to help them very shortly after the event yeah. is that yeah. right yeah 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 so so yeah we went to these villages and in a way uh, it, this was in 2000 we we did i i took teams of therapists uh, some uh, in a, a body oriented therapists uh, about a dozen each time uh, for a number of trips over a two year period you know trips lasting from two to three weeks each where we were working in the villages with people who were affected by the tsunami who remained with symptoms six months after the tsunami and we only went 6 months later and looking for pt people with ptsd we screened them for we also taught people who who were working with them counselors who were working with them they translated for us we even did trainings for them as to how to uh, make interventions quick interventions to uh, people help people move away from symptoms of uh, this one one incident trauma tsunami it's possible that it, it has tapped into other incidents but we treated it as one incident a life or death trauma and and uh, and that's what we did i'll give you an example of how quickly this can work i've been written a paper we've written we've written a pay outcome study in the, in the journal traumatology on it yeah. there was a boy who was afraid of tsunami and he was he was caught in the tsunami escaped not so he was not so seriously caught in the tsunami but every time people talked about a tsunami there were rumors afoot because the tsunami had changed the sea landscape so they were seeing waves they didn't had not seen before on a beach then they would think that another tsunami is coming and the rumor would spread and this boy would have palpitations in the heart you know he would have high anxiety and palpitations and um, so we thought him that you know we normalized it we said of course people died in their family and it's a very scary thing and we validated the fear and we said um, we we said uh, so the the practice is done in four steps let me put that in here sure yeah uh, and there's a big methodology section that is written in such a way so that the therapists as they read the book can actually start to implement it with themselves and their clients to some extent yeah and people who are interested in self help and uh, in emotional regulation they can also try try it by themselves and then if they of course run into some difficulty they need to seek the uh, care of a professional yeah so this first step is situation the situation here is 
post tsunami and um, whenever rumor arises you know that there might be another tsunami that's the situation immediately goes into fear the second step is the fear right the emotion so the situation the emotion right so here we need to validate the emotion right he's, he's getting hearing symptoms heart palpitations missing heartbeats things like that it's very scary and pain there and we said it's a big fear it's a big fear it makes sense that you feel it but it looks like your heart is feeling more of it than any other place in your body so it might be it's overloaded so why do you put your hand on the heart yeah not to make it go away but to help the fear spread from the heart to the lungs or other places in the body put two hands there right so we had to do that and it expanded locally this is what we call look now this is the third step is expansion regulation the third step is expansion regulation of the emotion and the body you know body and emotion you know the so so that's what you're doing in the third step the situation is tsunami rumor heart palpitation the emotion is fear right and anxiety and the third validation support all that we have to do because the most important factor in whether a person can stay with an emotion depends on the support they receive for the emotion that's the number one factor not the body support for the body psychological support give them adequately and then you you uh, expand it in the body this is local expansion and then we could see that as he did that is breathing got better this is interesting you know i can, I can intuit that that is the fourth step we call integration as the person develops more capacity to tolerate the emotion when by when we expand the body to expand the emotion things like breathing will get better which means the experience gets what less <laughs> less more tolerable yes they're not holding their breath yeah the 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 in the, the difficulty with tolerating an emotion has to do with the extent to which the body is dysregulated and stressed so better breathing while I expand the fear in the chest means that that it's getting better it's becoming more tolerable and that's what we call integration we can pay attention to that that might help the client or we might just notice that and intuit that the client is breathing better without bringing the client's attention to the the fact that they're breathing better and sometimes we use that but the emotion is very difficult notice that you're breathing better even though you have more fear right so we then said to him where else can you send the emotion in the body yeah so in this case we had to move his arms a bit you know and uh, so got the energy into the arms because we tend to block everything and try to take the fear back to the place it came from around the heart so that we can bury it there this is what resistance does and we all have those abilities instinctually and so as he started to go into the arms they started to tremble and we said yeah isn't it interesting that the arms are trembling with fear so can you sense it here and can you sense it there he said yes and is it easier to be with it he says easier than before is your heart palpitate as a heart regular he said it's okay it's okay now see we said that just by spreading the fear in the chest and into the arms you were able to bring about a situation where your heart is not troubled that's something that scares you right when anybody will get scared when the heart beats and misses a beat or, or it starts to go regular fast and slow so that's what we taught him it was about a 10 to 15 minute intervention at the end of the day we were packing up to leave and this boy came up and said tsunami tum 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 that's what he said to us he didn't know mm. english so we had a translator and then we did that piece of work and we met him a week uh, four weeks later we had an interview go out and then i think six or eight six to eight months later we found that he had not had that problem because he knew how to deal with it when he had this palpitation he would look for the fear and quickly spread the fear and of course we had worked with him longer we would have given him more strategies but this boy was well resourced and motivated that he could do it himself so that's that kind of work we did now of course this is simple right but what of what happens when you have your grandmother and you lose your daughter and in a, and and two of the four children grandchildren it is a single incident trauma but it's much more complex trauma this is what we call a complex trauma yeah. relational yes involving intense emotions mm-hmm. right? intense emotions running a group private practice has been a challenging and rewarding experience and one thing that has made it so much easier is therapy notes therapy notes makes billing scheduling note taking and telehealth incredibly easy if you're coming from another EHR like i did 
Therapy Notes makes the transition incredibly easy, importing your demographic data free of charge so you can get going right away. My team has found Therapy Notes very easy to learn. It's intuitive. The customer support is second to none. And that's one of the things that has kept me a Therapy Notes customer for several years now. Anytime I've needed to contact Therapy Notes for help with an issue I couldn't figure out on my own, I've been able to get through to someone and resolve the issue within 15 minutes, 99% of the time. Find out what more than 100,000 mental health professionals already know. Try Therapy Notes for two months absolutely free. Just click on the link in the show notes or enter the promo code chat at therapynotes.com. Therapist, has this ever happened to you? You're sitting with a client in the thick of a therapy session, fully focused on the important work that's happening between you and the client. Suddenly, 30 minutes into the session, from down the hall, you hear the door to your office suite open. You and your current client were the only people in the suite, but now someone has come in. You're distracted from your current client as your anxiety shoots through the roof. Is it your new client who's scheduled to meet with you in 30 minutes? But your current session has 20 more minutes to go, and you don't want to interrupt this client's process to go check on who's there. Are they wandering through the suite looking for a receptionist? Is it a delivery person here to drop off a package that needs a signature? Are they about to come knocking on the therapy room door? Is it your neighbor from across the hall dropping off a piece of your mail that was left at their address? You hear the door close. Did they leave? This has happened to me so many times over the years. As I anxiously anticipated this session with the new client, I would worry they were feeling anxious or abandoned because they weren't greeted when they got to the office. Now you don't have to worry, and your clients can relax too, knowing that you have a discreet, stress-free way for them to check in when they arrive for their appointment. The receptionist for iPad is a simple, inexpensive way to allow your clients to discreetly check in, to notify providers of a patient's arrival, and to ensure your front lobby is stress-free. The software sends an immediate notification to the therapist when a client checks in and can even ask if any patient information has changed since their last visit. Sign up for a 14-day free trial of The Receptionist for iPad by going to thereceptionist.com slash therapy chat. And when you do, you'll also receive a $25 Amazon gift card. So there was a woman like that and who had lost all of her children except the child she liked the least. This is this mm. is the way the universe sometimes works. And she could just cry all the time. She just cried herself into exhaustion, you know, lamenting and beating her head and crying. That's what she could do. And we knew that this was not very productive beyond a point. Crying is very productive, but it's not productive if you continue to cry. You know, that's the only thing you can do to grieve. It's just exhausting. So the person, like a child that cries every time because they're not going to tolerate something, some people, adults who don't have that much capacity to tolerate emotions, will end up doing that, exhaust themselves, right? And just be in despair. So we had to hold the tears back and notice how bad it hurt in the heart that she lost her children and expand that pain, not through crying, but through sound like, uh, uh, because that can expand. That's one of the techniques you can do to expand the emotion into the rest of the body as well as into the face, which in turn makes the brain process it better. So we had to do that kind of work. Mm. You know, the sadness, not the crying. Yeah. And 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 the grandmother, with the grandmother, she also nearly died. We had to work with the fear of dying. And at one point she said to me, she said to me, dear one, she said in Tamil, uh, I don't let us not go there. I feel like I felt when I was dying in during the wave. And I said, dear one, you're, you're already there. If we can expand that into the rest of the body, I will help you do that. Then you will be able to bear it and you will be able to sleep better. You know, she had, you know, she couldn't sleep and you'll be able to then rest and work during the day to take care of your grandchildren, you know, who had lost their mother, that kind of then we did that. So there you need to really support the emotion and, you know, and, and, and be with the person and expand it, et cetera. So the, the, those are some of the examples, you know, we, we, uh, from the tsunami, you know, uh, work we did over a period of two years. We're in, in, in Sri Lanka, we were working with people uh, who had been in a civil war for a long period. I think 25-year-old civil war, many losses in the family, homes lost, people displaced, you know, and, 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 and uh, violence, you know, by the Sri Lankan army, all of those things we had to work with. It was a more complex situation, but we, again, used the simple idea of the uh, of the practice of embodying emotions, how to support emotions, how to expand them. And we trained about 100 people, you know, counselors who work with them. And uh, over a three-year period, every year we would go there for three weeks. 
and, and work with them. And uh, of course, in these cases, you know, you needed to do, do more sessions, but it was really amazing to see, even among the counselors who were themselves victims of the war, civil war, uh, uh, at, you know, how much change uh, we could see, you know, once you started to embody the emotions and, and they got it. And once they get it, they can also facilitate in, in their clients, you know, who are even more traumatized. So, yeah. yeah. And that's, thank you for sharing those examples. It really helps me and I'm sure people who will be listening to this um, will be able to envision more what it's like. Yeah, yeah. The practice of embodying emotions is now, we have taught it in over a you know, 20 year period, 15, 20 year period, different forms. I've taught it in about 20 countries around the world, now on almost on every continent. And there, people are using it in different contexts, you know, different, uh, different, they trained in different modalities, psychoanalysis, cognitive behavioral therapy, body-oriented therapy, you know, um, you know the, the somatic experiencing and so on. So they use it in a complementary way uh, on a daily basis, uh, you know, and, and over a period of time. So um, because emotional capacity sometimes takes a while to develop, but even then, you can get them into emotions very quickly. And one of the things that we do to help people work with emotions from the very first session is to broaden the definition of emotions. There's a chapter on that emotions. You see, uh, you know, we, we, we are the, the, in, acad in academic research, the types of emotions that are researched are very few, right? I mean, it, 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 uh, they started with the idea of primary emotions, happiness, sadness, fear, anger, surprise, and uh, disgust, according to Charles Darwin. He started the theory, and then, you know, Ekman, uh, you know, developed it further to include more emotions, and they essentially came down to the idea that all emotional experiences are comp combinations of primary emotional experiences, which is to some extent true, but not really. For example, what about emptiness mm. that, that you feel when you're lonely? Is it the loneliness is the emptiness is unbearable and it takes us to the refrigerator, you know, despite our best efforts not to go there, right? And and, and it can be the basis of all kinds of addictions, right? Uh, and 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 uh, and and so emptiness. What combination of primary emotions is it? It's what I call sensory motor emotion, physiological states that make perfect sense as an impact situation is having on us, right? And, 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 and if you use that definition, even feeling very bad is an emotion. How does it make your body feel? Very bad. Very often I just start with that. And that's because clients who come to us come to us because they're feeling bad about something. Mm -hmm. Not, and so they say, I feel really bad. Can you help me to make this bad feeling go away? And we then often out of a training, we ask, what do you feel? They just told you they feel bad. So feeling bad is the basic emotion uh, or aspect of all unpleasant emotions that makes an emotion intolerable. If you can create a capacity for feeling bad, then many emotions that, that are unpleasant will see the light of day. And we, I see that a lot. Sometimes clients come in, they have no excess emotions or they have not been given permission to have many emotions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, but they're okay saying, I feel bad. That's why I've come to you. So tell me why you feel bad in the chest. Let's expand that. Uh, makes sense that you feel bad, that he left you or she left you. And so can you, you know, vocalize that experience through vocalization like, uh, uh, and then, you know, what happens? You know, the brain starts to process it better, but it also non-verbally starts to expand the bad feeling in the rest of the body. And this is something that I do all the time. And then they might come into, you know, as the brain processes the situation further emotionally, it starts to get a refined emotions like I feel sad, I feel lonely. And then it might even be, oh, as lonely when I was in the crib as a child. You know, cognition improves means it improves over time. It's able to, you know, in a in a, in a, in a tolerable situation, it has the patience and the time to look for associations in the past. This is what psychoanalysts are looking for all the time, you know. And, and, and uh, so interpretation, cognitive insight, when emotions of bodies is deeper and more transformative, this is our experience. You know, so there, there are all these possibilities. So, so, so the practice involves situation, emotion. If the, situa if the situation is not the emotion is there, you're, you're, on, you're on track. Sometimes we just feel bad and we don't know why. Then you, you do that. And then the situation will become clearer as the cognition improves, right? And then 
expansion, regulation of the emotion in the body, and then noticing integration from time to time, making it conscious or not, depending on the client, how much of a struggle they're in it. Uh, the next question is asked, and I answer it in the book uh, at length. Uh, how much emotion, how long to keep them in the emotion, how deeply to expand it in the body, etc. These are questions that are empirical. For some clients, it's very little. For some clients, it's a lot. That really depends on the client and the situation, the emotion, and so on. So, so this is essentially what is the practice of embodying emotions. You know? and, and the book itself is written in such a way. The, the first chap, uh, section, you see the 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 how the work developed what the influences are you know every work stands on a, a any number of a, any a large pyramid of shoulder on shoulder right mm -hmm. and um, and where um, how it developed right the different aspects of it you know high intensity emotion work low intensity emotion work people with a lot of capacity people with very little capacity and what benefits it provides what benefits it provides now um, you know, in 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 a working with trauma, where the body complex trauma, when the body is very dysregulated, when you're working with not so complex trauma, when the body is not so dysregulated, but the emotions are still painful, and and all these benefits, examples of all these benefits, cognitive, emotional, behavioral, physical, energetic, relational, and even spiritual and mindfulness outcomes. Yeah, and by just reading the first section, you'll have an idea of what to do. You know, the basic science of it. And then if you want to, then you go to section three, it gives you step-by-step -step guidance of how to you know, work with each step, you know, especially the expansion of the emotions in the body to different, different, uh, in the different, how to work with different parts of the body to undo the physiological defense to expand emotions there. And, and then um, the, the, the middle section, the theory section is, you can even go to it at the end, it shows it gives you the theory of how emotions are a product of the entire body and brain physiology. Therefore, it makes sense to expand it throughout. And how uh, expanding the emotional experience actually improves affect tolerance, you know, um, and, 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 and the, uh, the different defenses that can form, different kinds of defenses that can form, and the different kinds of emotions you can work with so that you're never at a loss as to facilitating the emotion the client if you choose even from the first session so that's how the book is laid out you know so yeah i'll, I'll wait for your questions yeah well we we only have a little bit more time but if you do you think you'd be able to go into the working with intergenerational trauma and or the union archetypal aspects of this because yeah. those parts yeah. are I'm really yeah. curious about. See, intergenerational trauma, you know, we don't know where the emotions are coming from. Yeah. It's transference across generations, right? But it's projected on the present, right? So if we can contain, you know, develop a greater capacity for the emotion without projecting into the present, right? Then this also applies to racial trauma, which is ongoing, right? Yeah. A reaction in racial trauma, a reaction is partly in the present, partly in the past, right? Either way, we have to manage it so that your cognition and behavior are not counterproductive, right? We can become activists, but we can be, become activists with better informed, right? And and uh, so so the the um, when we develop a capacity of emotions, then what happens is that the brain can process associations from the distant past. It somehow happens, mm -hmm. you know. And and people have memories, or they just have an intuitive understanding that is not just about the present. It's also about the past. And that way we start to heal the past. You know, I work in Germany a lot, and my wife is part German, part Dutch. And uh, one thing that you find in Germany is, is the rate of intergenerational trauma. And, and, and uh, you know, and they have not, the parents and the grandparents have not processed as much. So it has fallen on the shoulders of the younger generations. So that, there are two generations, three generations removed from the war or the Holocaust in Israel, for example. So when you work with the current hurt, it immediately scratches, you know, you scratch the surface and then people fall through the generations. And it's overwhelming. It's collective. So we have to find a way to, you know, process it. And, and the, the body gives us the, such a container. And the work with Israel and, 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 and Germany 
it shows me that people come into a deeper understanding and healing of her intergenerational traumas when they develop a greater capacity for it, you know. And they ask, why us? Why me? And they say, I don't know. Why not you? This is, you know, this is something that, you know, when we're born into the culture, family, we inherit the good and the bad, the fortunate and the unfortunate. And when we do the work, we do it for generations. So this is our ancestral work, you know, offering to the ancestors, you know, for the heritage that they've given us, that they've blessed us with, that kind of thing. So that that's possible. That that's really possible to do that. You know, intergenerational trauma is like that. And and the second question I just forgot. What is the other aspect you wanted me to work talk the about? The Jungian archetypal. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You see, what happens is that uh, the the in Jungian psychology, or in you know even in the body work system like craniosacral therapy, biodynamic. We are looking for what? Resources from the collective. Ultimately, it's the archetypes that heal us. But when the body is, you know, goes like a prune and constricting against itself, then the energies to the collective, the connection to the energies to the collective world of archetypes is blocked. It mm. can come through, you know, through imagination, etc., but it cannot expand into the body, right? It might, I mean, it might not even appear here when the body is constricted because cognition depends on the body, right? So when you open up, you, you're open, your body's open electromagnetically, quantum mechanically to the energies of the universe. Not only do you breathe better on a basic level, but you breathe in the archetypes more. And so there's a greater connection. And that is why it's a requirement, the ability to tolerate opposites is a requirement for spiritual development. Mm. You, you see that? That's, mm-hmm. that's so it has interpersonal, psych, uh, uh, sorry, transpersonal psychology systems, and spiritual psychology systems can benefit from, you know, alchemical therapy can benefit because we are trying to provide something that they've been saying for ages that they need, but they're trying to create it through the brain in a, in a top down way. Whereas we are saying, open up the bottom and everything will come this way and go up and benefit you. So, does it make sense? Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. So it feels so who, true. Yeah, people who, who feel the mindfulness practices or, you know, enlightenment practices, they can benefit a great deal by developing a greater capacity through practice of embodying emotions because those systems have been saying that is what is needed as a prerequisite to, to, to grow faster in those levels. Thank you. Thank you for taking a little time to explain those very complex concepts in a clear way. I really appreciate it. So Raja, I wish we had more time to keep talking, but can you tell people where they can not only get your book, but connect with all of the the different ways that you're you're teaching about this work? The book is available on all online platforms. It's like Amazon, Google Books, and, and different versions of it are available. The paperback is available. The Kindle version is available. Electronic book version is available on Google, but audio audio version audio book version is also available, and uh, so you can buy buy them easily, find them online by looking for embodying emotions. You know the practice of embodying emotions comes up, or by my name Raja Selvam. You can go to my website www.integralsomaticpsychology.com. One word: integralsomaticpsychology.com, and and, uh, you know, I do online supervisions monthly. Yeah, I would like you to start to practice it as you read the book, apply it to yourselves, apply it to your clients who are more resourced to begin with, people who have access to emotions so that you get a successful, you know, practice of it to begin with before you graduate to more complex cases. And and uh, and And you can also... On the website, I'm providing free videos of demonstrations of me working with people. Under the book section, you'll find resources. You'll also find me find me in a video where I'm actually demonstrating the practice of embodying emotions, the four steps through my own process, so that you get an idea for how you can practice it. And also about how to work with different parts of the body to you know, expand emotions. Now, I also do workshops. There are video courses you can buy, and uh, there are short workshops you can take and a video courses or you know online or in person but also my integral somatic psychology training you know isp training it's a short training of 12 days split into three four-day modules yeah and and you can find the, the training schedule there where i even go more into it not only into the physiological defenses but also energetic defenses you know energy defenses that 
especially disconnect us from the individual level to the collective level. So uh, those are the different things you can do. And, and, and this way, you can use the practice of embodying emotions as a complementary modality in your toolkit to work with emotions more very productively in a, uh, in a, in a method that's validated by science. And, and, um, and, and whenever you get stuck in your primary modality, you can, like a lubricant, you can look for an emotion and embody it to expand the body, make it more available, then your cognition, the client's cognition, emotion, behavior will unfold further. And whatever therapy you do, cognitive therapy, behavioral therapy, sensory motor psychotherapy, somatic experiencing, or Reichen therapy, you can, you can uh, psychoanalysis, you can benefit through this simple method. And uh, I'm, I'm glad that the field is moving in the direction of including the body, awareness of the body. And I'm glad to contribute to this field. And I hope that it's a much benefit to all of you. Thank you. Thank you. And I am so grateful that we have connected today and I've gotten to learn from you and you were willing to share wisdom with our audience. I, I think it's just so wonderful. And I agree with you that it's great that the bottom up ways of working with emotion are becoming more known. So thank you so much for taking the time to be my guest on Therapy Chat today. You're welcome. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Thank you to Therapy Notes for sponsoring this week's episode. I do love Therapy Notes. It's such an asset to my business and makes my job as a practice owner and a therapist much easier. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. Use coupon code CHAT or click the link in the show notes to get two free months at therapynotes.com. This episode is sponsored by the Receptionist for iPad. It's the highest rated digital check-in software for therapy offices and behavioral health clinics used by thousands of practitioners across the country. Sign up for a 14-day free trial of the Receptionist for iPad by going to thereceptionist.com slash therapy chat. And when you do, you'll also receive a $25 Amazon gift card. Thank you for listening to Therapy Chat with your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. For more information, please visit therapychatpodcast.com Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.